0: In fact, when we were first starting this, we did a San Diego soft launch in my hometown. And there was a business that reached out and said, hey, just so you know, you've already doubled my sales from my free profile here on this app. It was a local hair salon. When I heard that, I literally sat back and thought, if that's all that ever happens, if that's all we ever do was for that one story, this entire journey is worth it. And thankfully there's been thousands more stories like it. So it's been a wild ride.
1: Episode ninety six. I bring in Michael Seifert of Public Square, bright young guy who's built this company called Public Square, where the thinking men and women are on the same page. They got the conservative values, family traditions, and all these businesses have come together. There's over fifty five thousand companies and businesses that are on this app, Public Square, Public Sq and over a million subscribers. So if you're looking for something, you're gonna go to Public Square, you're gonna search it or hit nearby, and you're able to support these businesses that have the same mindset as you. It's brilliant. Soon, they're gonna turn it into a shopping cart where you can shop right onto the website and essentially like an Amazon. But for now, it's not supporting the big guy, it's supporting the small guy, the family, business, The mom and pops, this is how we turn things around in our country, and we're going to get into that. We start the episode by him fleeing California like the majority have, the monster exodus in this state, and he's uh, taken his business, and his flagship, if you will, is now in Florida. Let's get into it. Episode 96, Michael Seifert of Public Square. Here we go. Michael. Michael
0: hey man how are you
1: good thanks good. for coming man thanks for
0: the invite.
1: dude Great come on you. so you left uh florida huh you just couldn't do california anymore
0: we did we left california heading to florida the Sunshine State. Although I will say it's ironic, California, we definitely have a lot more sunshine than Florida. So I'm not sure why Florida gets the the coin term Sunshine State. But we are uh, excited to head to the free state of Florida. And we're not the only ones. There's a whole mass migration out of California, New York to states like Florida and Texas. And we're joining the crew.
1: Yeah, man. States like uh, Florida, states like Texas, New Mexico, they don't like Californians because real estate all of a sudden is rising like crazy and those who were there and they've been there forever they're like dude we can't even afford a house anymore because Californians are coming in there's an influx of you guys I'm sure you're yeah, seeing it's the same kind thing. of funny
0: when we when we uh just got our new house in Florida we were getting to know some of the neighbors and we said we promise we're the good kind we're yeah. not we're not going to come in and vote for the same policies that destroyed California we're not going to come in and uh, act like snooty Californians. We are we are very grateful and excited for the way of life that is present in Florida. And we want to jump into that slipstream rather than try to change it.
1: That's what's been talked about all the time with me my friends, family. You're leaving a place that you didn't like its policies and there's a reason why you're leaving the state, but then you're going to go there and vote the same way. I just, I don't understand it
0: me neither and it's funny there was actually a billboard in California or excuse me in Texas that specifically targeted Californians that went viral last year on Twitter because the billboard basically as you were entering the state on the far west side of Texas uh, as you were entering the state this massive billboard basically said welcome to all Californians if you're going to vote for the same policies that destroyed your state turn around and i'm like that that is the that is the most true welcome statement you could give to someone from coming coming from either California, Illinois or New York right now because You've seen two polar different ways of life, and, uh, and it all comes down to governance. It all comes down to policy. And we have seen objectively that one set of policies and ideas work for a thriving society and one don't. And so, yeah, we, we're, we are looking forward to joining the community in Florida of free thinkers and uh, independent minds that are not just parroting the message of the regime in power. And it's going to be pretty fun. So we're moving the team there. Uh, we're having our headquarters established in West Palm Beach. And it's a great place. So and also it's not a bad thing. There's no income tax. That's pretty nice, too.
1: Yeah. Congratulations, man. It's a it's a Thank big you. move. I'm sure it's not easy with the family and all that stuff. Congratulations. I'm sure it's going to work out just fine. There's millions of people who have shifted to the conservative party. Uh, they're kind of waking up uh, the I guess were the awake rather than the woke. Even with that happening, do you still believe in the voting process, though?
0: I believe in the voting process. I think that uh, it needs massive reform. I think it should get, I have an unpopular opinion, which is that I think it should get harder to vote. Uh, I actually think it should be more difficult for folks to vote. I think the idea that voter ID is somehow racist or discriminatory is ridiculous. And I think that you need an ID to buy a thing of Sudafed, like you should certainly be able to uh, need an ID to vote. And I also think that uh, we have incredible ways like I'm, I'm pretty passionate about even like blockchain technology, like there's incredible ways to validate a single integer uh, that is differentiated from all others, meaning we could absolutely reform our election system by prioritizing identity, security and identity management and validation and verification of one single vote. It, rather than doing this sort of like fly by night in the secrecy of the basement of some community center where ballots are counted and then brought into a truck and there's not transparency and it's a total mess. There were there are ways that we could make our voting process a thousand times more efficient, secure and trustworthy. Our government doesn't want to do that. Also, um, you know, we have really big money in politics and in the voting process, which is a problem when Mark Zuckerberg commits four hundred million dollars to the election process. We know that's going to go nowhere good. All of that said, I still believe in the civic responsibility of a citizen, especially one that knows the truth and knows all the things that we just said. The only way we're ever going to fix that process is by chipping away at it. And we have to chip away at it by exercising our civic responsibility to vote. I do believe that fullheartedly. I have some friends and community members that believe what the heck's the point anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm not in that camp. I actually think, especially on the local level, elections are so incredibly important. And it's generally the races, and I'll finish with this, that are most overlooked, that are actually the most consequential for your community. So, for example, I have a friend recently who said, hey, I'm running for the water board," And he thought this was a really small, sort of minute um, pursuit. And my encouragement was, man, that means more than you even know because the way our country was destroyed was not because one President Biden came in and destroyed the country or Obama or anybody like that. Even if you're conservative, it was not one president that caused the downturn of our country. It was back in the 80s when a bunch of Marxists started infiltrating the school boards, the city councils, the water board seats, the county board of supervisors. And while conservatives were all focused on Reagan, What the what the kind of authoritarians and the progressives of our society were doing were infiltrating local races and then just building a movement from the ground up to the point where now the authoritarians in society, they control all of bureaucracy, they control all your school boards, they control your libraries and your city councils and your water boards and your county boards of supervisors. So if we want to uproot the system, we have to vote. We have to start local. We cannot think that a president's going to save us. And we have to believe that us, with the power of one individual, can actually swing things. Local races can often come down to like 10 votes. And so imagine if you show up and you're one of those 10, we can actually make a lot of structural change for the long haul.
1: Did you see what happened down here in Glendale with the school no. board? Uh-huh. You didn't see what They'll happened? Fill me in. Oh, my gosh, man. A couple months ago, uh, Antifa, of course, shows up. But the school board wants to take... You know, they're talking about gay rights and and turning kids to transsexuals and brainwashing the kids at six seven years old. And the kids here are fight or sorry, the parents here are fighting. Like, hey, don't tell my kid what to do at the school level. They're just fine at home. You know, we're going to be able to to parent our kids at home rather than you tell them what to do at school, especially on this level. And that's exactly what's happening. Is we all know that kids at that age. Whatever you tell them in terms of of washing their brains, more than likely they're going to take it and they're going to ride with it. And that's what they're trying to do. That's that's the Marxist way.
0: Well, that's exactly right. And by the way, this is a playbook that's been run for yep. over a century. Like if you look back even to Pol Pot in Cambodia, he was a big believer that if you want to um, infiltrate a society with communism, you have to start with the kids. You turn the kids against yep. the parents you infiltrate their school systems, you indoctrinate them into your ideals, you raise up little soldiers for the communist regime. Stalin did it as well. We've seen it, uh, Mao really uh, focused on the next generation. There's such an emphasis amongst the radicals and the activists to target your children. So if we're not on guard against that, and if we're not participating in the, uh, the turnover of our school boards toward people that would never un- indoctrinate your kids, You know, we're foregoing a massive responsibility as adults and as parents like I'm I'm a father of a nine month old daughter and uh, and I'll be damned if I'm not uh, giving everything I possibly can to ensure that she never steps foot in a system that is seeking her detriment. And yet, unfortunately, that's so much of the US school system today. And a lot of that's controlled on a local level. Like if you it's interesting, uh, I have family in Alabama. And if you look at some of their school systems that have not been infiltrated by Marxists, they don't deal with half of the educational problems that a school system in Oregon does. Like they're in Alabama. They're actually learning about personal finance now and science and physics and focusing on mathematics, objective truth. And in Oregon, they're saying two plus two equals five because two plus two equals four is racist. So it's just you're again, we're we're living in polar opposite worlds. And when that starts affecting the children, it's time for the adults to stand up and say enough is enough.
1: Are you worried about your children?
0: You know. I am worried about the next generation more broadly. I'm not worried about my daughter specifically because I know how we run our family. I know that my wife and I are committed to ensuring that she is raised knowing how to critically think uh, and pursuing the truth in all matters. That's what my parents did for me. They never taught me what to think. They taught me how to think. And when they taught me how to think and how to critical think and reason and struggle with ideas and argue for truth. And when when I was taught that by my own parents, it it radically uh, set me on the right path. And I saw a lot of my friends that weren't taught the same things and their parents were either apathetic and let the school system just kind of indoctrinate them, or they taught them exactly what to think regimented until the one day when they graduated high school and all of a sudden had to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm not worried about my daughter because while we are not perfect and we won't be perfect parents, and we're going to make a lot of screw ups. Uh, I want to make sure that my daughter will never have to wonder uh, how her dad and mom feel about her and also uh, never have to wonder whether or not we have her best interests in mind. And, yeah, we're going to raise someone who uh, believes the truth and understands that the truth will set you free. So it it's a it's a worry that I have more broadly, though, for the next generation. This next generation has TikTok brain. We, we have experienced the massive uh, detrimental effects of social media on their own cognitive abilities. And, you know, I look around at some of the young people today and they're just glued here. They're glued to the screen. They can't even look at you in the eyes. They can't yeah. shake your hand anymore. Customer service is out the window. Like those are the things that we really got to chip at, or else they're going to be the detriment of our society for the long haul.
1: What's the biggest thing you've seen from California versus Florida in terms of people, customer service? did you see a lot of that shift when you got there?
0: Yeah, I have. I've family values. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a far stronger emphasis on family values and there's actually just a different base level of acceptability in society. So, uh, you know, in Florida, I, I have not seen as much homeless and drug addicts on the streets and people, because they just don't tolerate that. Uh, they know that that's not productive to a safe and clean society. So they don't, By the way, they also in Florida know that that's not helpful to the homeless people themselves Mm -hmm. because all you're doing is enabling bad behavior. Whereas in California, they're literally giving out needles in San Francisco for safe injections. And yet they're banning straws at the local in and out because Mm -hmm. the government told them to like it's just become uh, such a different level of acceptability in society, what the citizenry is willing to tolerate. The other big uh, change that I've noticed is that there's a general sense in Florida of distrust of government and trust in their fellow citizens so i've seen a lot more of a community bond in florida whereas i've seen a lot more government dependency in california people in california are are blinded to believe that the government actually cares about them and wants their best interest and then therefore if you criticize the government you are inherently against me so there's this like turning on of each other uh, in the citizenry Rather than what it should be, which is, hey, there's an establishment that's built to uh, not govern us in terms of keeping us in line. It's actually built to uh, empower the citizenry to prosper. That's what it should be. In California, though, it's like you don't breathe without the government's permission. Yeah. And when some people are backing that power, the citizenry starts to turn on each other. So California has become very balkanized into pockets of society so the conservatives stick together the leftists stick together the the different ethnicities stick together like california in their effort for diversity have actually created the opposite Mm. uh because because uh they they don't encourage a trust of your fellow man they don't encourage a trust of your fellow neighbor that's kind of a deeper concept but it is one that i've noticed as uh i have spent more and more time away from california and in a state like florida
1: michael do you believe that things have to get worse Before they get better again. And we're kind of on the 30 yard line, if you will.
0: I don't like to believe that, but to a degree I do. I think that human nature is such that we generally won't wake up until we're at rock bottom. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I wish that was not the case so badly. I wish we didn't have to eat dirt to know that it doesn't taste good. But we have seen throughout history that oftentimes people will let it get to the brink before they ever actually change their ways. And, the other big problem is that a lot of people are apathetic to the struggles of others. So when we see somebody else coming under gro- government scrutiny or criticism or overregulation, as long as it's not happening to us, we don't really care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, during COVID, uh, we saw the citizenry turn on each other because it, it, the mandates didn't affect some people. So if you were vaccinated, you weren't really concerned about the government overreach because it wasn't coming for your doorstep. Whereas in a healthy functioning society, if the government is over exercising its ability to police and uh, act authoritarian to one person, the whole citizenry should be concerned because if they can do that to one person, they can do it to all of us. You know, we've seen the Trump indictments this week, another round of them. And it's like if they can do that to the former president, of course, they can do it to us. But a lot of people don't care because they just think, well, it's not coming for me. So why should I give a rip? Uh, That's a really dangerous reality to be living in, because history has proven that if one segment of the population, a large segment doesn't really care and is apathetic to the struggles of others, those struggles will eventually come for them, too. It'll just be too late. And so, uh, yeah, I wish we didn't have to hit rock bottom. But I think in states like California, it's very evident that that's their determination.
1: Let's get into public square, man. It is. Yeah, it's an awesome app. Congratulations. You've been on Charlie Kirk regularly. I saw you on a podcast with Donald Trump Jr. I think you're going to be advertising on um, Tucker Carlson's show. Are you are you pinching yourself like every day now or like this is a, this is quick man. Your life is really turned quick here for the better.
0: Yeah, man, it's been a wild ride. I only had the idea for Public Square January of 2021. So it's just been about two and a half years since the idea even came up. We only launched nationwide July 4th of 2022. So just over a year ago. And uh, the whirlwind that this journey has been is unlike anything I ever could have imagined, but all for the good. I mean, it's been incredible to witness how much the country needs this solution. And uh, this solution they need, not because it's us that's building it, they need it because this has been a present reality in our country for a long time. There have been a group of companies that strongly hate us, and I don't understand why. There are a lot of reasons why, and I have thesis as to why, but there are a lot of companies like Target, Anheuser-Busch, Disney, that are no longer concerned with their consumers. So... The easy solution is, well, let's make a list of businesses that aren't that way, that actually are very concerned with the rights and the privileges and the the abilities and the values of their consumers. And uh, that's the heart of Public Square. There's a bunch of companies that don't like you. Here's a list that do. It's a very simple solution. And thankfully, the country has um, really seen this as a viable solution and wants to build it with us. That's the big thing that I, I hope that people realize is, We have the ability down the road to take on Amazon, to take on Target. That is what we are building. But of course, that takes longer than a year. Uh, that's something that gets built over time. The beautiful thing though, is that the consumers aren't waiting until that's done to come and join us. The consumers are building it with us. We hit a million member accounts on the platform faster than Twitter, Airbnb and Spotify. And it happened because people are lining up and saying, I want to join this movement to shop my values. I wanna spend money with companies that do not hate me. I wanna spend my money with companies that love the country, the constitution and the values that it protects. And I am going to make sure that I'm swaying my purchasing power in the direction of my values even though it doesn't have e-commerce yet and it's not full Amazon arriving on your door by drone and all this stuff. You have people that are so badly wanting a solution that they're literally helping us build it. And that to me is the honor of a lifetime. And when we see businesses prospering that deserve our dollars, small businesses that are family owned and operated that love this country, there's no more rewarding reality of this journey. In fact, when we were first starting this, we did a San Diego soft launch in my hometown. And there was a business that reached out and said, hey, just so you know, you've already doubled my sales from my free profile here on this app. It was a local hair salon. When I heard that, I literally sat back and thought, if that's all that ever happens, if that's all we ever do was for that one story, this entire journey is worth it. And thankfully, there's been thousands more stories like it. So it's been a wild ride.
1: Take us through the app. You, you describe the app obviously better than I take. Take us through it to those who haven't learned about the app yet.
0: Yeah. So if you head to publicsq.com, you'll see kind of a full overview and you'll also see links to the app stores. So whether you're on iOS or Android, you can download the app onto your phone from the app store or Google play, and it's free to sign up. So if you're a consumer, you can sign up on the apps or at publicsq.com. You create an account, takes only about 30 seconds and You're then dropped into an experience where you're exposed to well over 55,000 different small businesses of all different industries that would love to serve you. There's a featured page where you can see some of our promoted partners or most recently added businesses or ones that are offering discounts and deals. You can see that on the featured page. If you go to the Near Me tab... At the bottom you can actually see businesses near you in your local community so i have about a thousand businesses here in san diego that uh, i get to shop from that signed up and i get to go in and have that localized community experience if I either live in a rural area or hasn't grown as much near me yet, or they there's not something locally that I'm looking for, I can go to the online tab and I can actually shop online. So I see categories and I can search for different things that I'm looking for. That's the consumer side. If you're a business, you can join for free as well. A business signs up. They see our five company core values, which you can find at publicsq.com. Essentially, we love life. We love families. We love freedom. We love this country. And uh, it's about as simple as that. By the way, our value number five is that Given that government is not the source of our rights, it cannot take them away. Constitution is where we base these principles. The values that are guiding our experience as a platform aren't political. They're principles that have been found in this country since its inception, embedded in the Constitution, endowed by our creator, these unalienable rights for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what we focus on. When the business agrees to respect those values, they're passed off to a vetting team. The team vets the business, ensures for quality and values alignment, gets to know the owner. And then once all is good, they're submitted live onto the platform. Uh, It's also free for a business to join. That's the experience. It's pretty incredible. On top of that, The app itself actually creates for us a lot of insight about what our consumers are looking for. So, for example, we get to look on our search bar every month and say, "Okay, what were the 10 most searched for products? If there's a hole in the market where a product does not currently exist, that's values aligned, then we actually will create those products and sell them back into our marketplace. So we learned recently that there was a massive gap in the diaper industry, in the baby care space because unfortunately every single major baby brand in the United States has taken sort of a hyper-progressive anti-family, anti-life approach. It's very strange. Mm. In fact, to totally befuddle you, there are a lot of major diaper brands that are donating to Planned Parenthood and funding abortions for their employees, which makes no sense. Like regardless of your thoughts on the issue, uh, we can all agree in this country that that makes zero economic sense. Like why would you terminate your client base? Like it just, it doesn't make sense. But we wanted to create a baby brand that solved this need for the mamas on our platform, the dads on our platform called Every Life. So, if you go to everylife.com, you'll see our first D2C product. Uh, and this is a diaper brand with a simple message, no matter where you're from, no matter what you look like, your background, socioeconomic status, color of your skin, circumstances of your conception, no matter any of that, every life is a miracle worth protecting. And uh, we sell high-performing diapers and wipes for every single miracle. We're going to do that with lots of products too, anywhere that there's a hole in the market that needs to be filled. So it's it's been a very cool parallel economy ecosystem we've created, and you can find about all that and more at publicsq.com.
1: The vetting process is an interesting one for me because you had to have some that don't have or think like you and have those same values, but are trying to get on the app. Do you guys run into anybody like that?
0: Not really, because if you're desiring to be a business on our platform, you're also desiring to target a group of consumers that if you're not really with us and you don't like us, it doesn't make sense to target. So we rarely have trolls try to join the pa- platform or businesses that don't enjoy what we're doing. The vetting team is actually far more helpful for the instances in which a business may join the platform, agree with our values, but not be suitable for the platform in a family-friendly fashion. So, for example, we had a brothel join the platform. It's like, we have minors on this platform, so we're not we're not going to pass that one through. And the owner said, well, I agree with your values. I'm like, that's wonderful, but uh, sorry. like th- This is not the platform for you. <laughs> that's not going to uh, work. So you know, we just what, what
1: state we, were they in?
0: Reno, Nevada. Yeah, there you no go. Oh. Yeah, so uh, about one of the only places that's legal. <laughs> and so we just thought that was hilarious. But it, it, you know, that's why the vetting team is so helpful. The vetting team is also so helpful. Not as much for the trolls or kind of the progressives that try to join the platform on the business side. By the way, if somebody's a progressive and joins on the consumer side, it's come one, come all. Everybody can join. If you're a consumer and you want to come and shop here, you are free to join. You don't have to agree with anything. You just come and join the platform. The businesses, given that we're presenting them as reliable businesses that we trust, we vet for that quality and for value. So the vetting team is also helpful to ensure that their links work correctly and they're selling their products correctly and that they're not misleading consumers about what they're doing. It's great because that way, when they're submitted to the platform and finally approved, they get our full stamp of approval so that we're able to communicate to our well over a million consumers, you can trust these businesses.
1: Were you sitting around at a table and talking to friends about this idea and it just came up? Hey there, guys. It's Mike. You know, as I've delved deeper into how big institutional brands support world economic health agendas and push these woke ideologies, it's become glaringly obvious that our everyday purchases matter more than you think. If you're anything like me, you're tired of unintentionally supporting brands that don't align with our values. Imagine this. Every time you swipe your card, you're casting a vote, not in a political booth, but in the marketplace. It's time we shift our support from giants like Clorox and Lysol to brands that truly resonate with us, the real people. Brands that understand our core values and beliefs. And that's where Sono comes in. Not only are they a brand you can stand behind, but they also provide quality products that every household uses and needs. We have Clorox canisters or 409 sprays around the house, right? But do we ever stop to think about where our money goes once we've made that purchase? Well, it's time to shake things up. Sono is offering every single listener of this podcast an unbeatable deal. You're getting 30% off plus free shipping if you're in California. All you have to do is use coupon code Mike at checkout. Head over to Sonowipes.com and look for the Essential Bundle. It's your golden ticket to try out all their amazing products. And trust me on this, once you experience Sonos products, you'll wonder why you ever settled for the big brands. Together, we can create a movement, a movement that's already gaining momentum out there. Let's use our dollars wisely. Let's boycott brands that don't support our values. And let's support our friends, our families, and the future of our communities. Remember, every choice matters. Choose wisely. To Sono.
0: I was actually sitting with my wife in Key West, Florida. We were on a little vacation, enjoying the free state during the heart of the COVID season. And uh, we were sitting at dinner one night and just had this realization. We actually had a list on a piece of paper of a lot of businesses in our local community that we knew we could trust because we knew the owner, we knew the values they espoused, and ultimately we knew that they aligned with ours. And, We had this sort of aha moment of people really need to feel connected. They feel alone. They feel isolated, but we're not alone. I know we're not alone. There are millions of us out there. And given that commerce is such a powerful driver of change in society, what if we actually equipped this group of people that feel alone with the ability to connect with businesses that would help them feel not alone? And they could actually move their dollars toward those businesses so that they could have this really cool transaction built upon trust. That was January of 21, we were sitting at dinner and I just thought that this could be really cool if we put this list in an online environment Mm -hmm. and we just started fleshing out the idea. I told some friends about it. And before we knew it, we really recognized that this thing has legs. If we can put this in flight and have our consumers build it with us, this could be that parallel economy solution we've all been hungering for.
1: What was your source of income when you had this idea?
0: I was a marketing director at a private equity group here in San Diego, California, has about 40 companies in its portfolio. And I led the marketing efforts for uh, the corporate entity that housed those 40 different uh, portfolio companies. And uh, I, I was well in tune with the plights of small business because during that season, as a part of my work as this marketing director, I also led an initiative for this private equity group that was very values aligned to basically revitalize San Diego. And the purpose was get the, you know, thousand plus small businesses that signed up for this petition and this program as advocates for reopening the city, making sure that we're advocating for freedom, pushing back against government tyranny. So we literally took our portfolio and then we took this broader group of businesses, uh, and we took them out into the public square, uh, no pun intended and had them advocate for freedom amidst a heavy season of government tyranny. And, uh, Then that helped inform Public Square as well, because I'm like, okay, well, we already have a base of businesses that I know are values Mm aligned that could do this with us. And uh, we just kept progressing it from there. So I was a marketing director. What was neat is that I actually, when I had this idea, I came to my boss at the time, who was a dear mentor of mine and a great family friend. And I just said, hey, this is what I want to do. And, and I really think this has legs and I don't want to leave your firm. You guys are phenomenal and you've you've helped build my career. I can't thank you enough for this. And I want to keep serving you, but I really feel like I got to go after this. And uh, he, in his grace and kindness and empowering wisdom, basically said, Michael, you're onto something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you should do it. And not only uh, will I bless you as you go, but I'll also be one of your first investors. And sure enough, he was. Mm-hmm. So, Uh, It was a very serendipitous journey how all this came about.
1: Are you still looking for investors?
0: Uh, We're a publicly traded company now. So we went public on the New York Stock Exchange about two weeks ago. PSQH is the ticker. Public Square Holdings, PSQ Holdings. Uh, And yeah, we're on the NYSE. And so anybody can uh, invest now if they would choose to. Obviously, I'm not a financial advisor. You got to talk to your financial advisor or broker if you think it's a valuable investment. What I can tell you is that, you know, we are building this parallel economy we've all hungered for. And just like we built it with the consumers, I also wanted to be a company that's owned by the consumers. I wanted to be a company that's by the people, for the people, and ultimately owned by we the people, which is why we took this public And uh, we did so with a few provisions in our deal that had me keeping majority control of the company with a special class of voting shares so that we can't be hijacked by, you know, some progressive activist investors that are trying to thwart the mission of the company. So we're really in a great spot. And uh, we're excited for the road ahead with an amazing group of investors that uh, obviously see something in where we're going.
1: There's got to be a lot of those who are against what you're doing because they don't believe in any of this stuff. Have you gotten death threats from people and tell, you know a lot of people threatening you to close the business down, et cetera?
0: More than I can count. Wow. Yeah, most of them are humorous uh you know they're all bark and no bite and so i my dms are flooded every day with people that hate me and hate what we're doing but they don't know me and they really don't know what we're doing either they're They're just parrots of a regime that is taught to hate us without actually taking the time to understand what we're fighting for. I mean, look at our diaper company. Again, do you disagree that every life is a miracle? Like, how are you going to how are you going to stand against this? The message is pretty simple. Do you disagree that a business should love the country and should operate in a way that's focused on meritocracy and excellence? Like if that's if that's your line that you disagree with us on, like, I'm really proud to stand where we're standing. I, I think that history is going to look fondly upon what we're doing here. Uh, I really believe that we're going to be on the right side of history when people wake up generations from now and realize all that's happened in this very pivotal season. And so, yeah, we kind of welcome the hate. It happens. Uh, but thankfully, you know, we, we really feel like we've been protected. We, we feel like we've got God on our side and a, a great team of security uh, professionals that are keeping us protected. And so onward and upward, we, we don't worry about that stuff too much.
1: Hey, tell me about that IPO uh, feeling. What, what was well, that like? Yeah. And and weren't we there, weren't the there bell... USA chance when they were ringing yeah. the bell. Yeah. Man.
0: Yeah. When we rang the bell. Uh, it was pretty wild because the, the vice chair of the floor was up there with us on the podium. When you're sitting on the, um, on stock exchange floor, uh, you're looking up at the podium where the podium bell actually is. And you, you think it's kind of big. The podium is actually tiny. So when you're up there, we're like crammed in like sardines, And uh, it was a very cool moment because we're all tight together. We're really excited. There's a 30-second countdown. And the vice chair turned to me and he said, hey, after you ring the bell, y'all should start chanting USA. I think Mm. people would really get a kick out of that. So we ring the bell and we start chanting USA. And sure enough, the whole room breaks out with us. And it was so loud that Jim Cramer with CNBC had to literally throw down his pen he was all frustrated his Love co-host that. closed his ears like this and tried to keep talking i mean it was hilarious jim cramer hated the usa chant i'm like dude if you hate the usa chant what does that say about you but it was dude it was amazing the 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 uh, traders on the floor joined in with us uh it was it was a pretty phenomenal moment that i will never forget and in fact when we got down onto the floor the vice chair came back up to us and said two things just so you know first off uh, everyone in this room agrees with you. You have like a 99.9% approval rating in this room. People oh. are really with you. They just haven't felt like they've had a voice. Oh. Second thing is we haven't done a USA chant like that since 9-11. Mm. So that was a really unifying moment for the this floor. And um, it was very cool to see that sense of patriotism. And it wasn't because of us. It was just because there was a lot of pent up desire to support our country and the values that have made it special. And so uh, that was a very, very special morning on the Stock Exchange floor.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Without COVID and without all this hoopla that's going on all the negativity in our country you would have never thought about opening this business right
0: i never would have thought about it uh well let me let me rephrase that i might have thought about it but i wouldn't have felt the same sort of urgency to do it Mm. for the last 10 years we've witnessed companies turning against us as a country uh we've witnessed the targets in the disney's of the world doing these perverse actions far before just the last year It's just everyone's kind of reached a boiling point and we've realized it stronger than ever the last year. And so, uh, you know, I, I remember five years ago when Bank of America started canceling conservatives, and closing their bank accounts. I remember when PayPal threatened a fine for disinformation. I remember when local coffee shops in my town of San Diego wouldn't serve police officers. Like I I remember all of this that built and built and built upon each other. You know, ESG and DEI, these philosophies have dominated the economic ecosystem for more than a decade. And yet nothing felt as urgent as it did the last two years. It's like our country's been building to this cliff that's been gradual and now it's sudden. And so uh, while I might have thought about it, I felt the same level of urgency had COVID and all this stuff not happened.
1: Hey, what do you tell the um, conservatives who want to get on the app but are scared to get on the app because they don't want to lose business from those who don't believe in their values?
0: I would say that that was a valid concern in the early days when there weren't that many businesses. We would hear from businesses. We literally got, we, uh, gathered new businesses to the platform by going and knocking on their door. We'd ask to speak to the owner. We'd show them our value statement. We'd ask if they agree with these things. And if they did, we'd ask them to join this platform. And we got a lot of no's in the early days because people were like, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I want to. I totally agree. And I love this. And I want to reach those consumers you're talking about, but I don't. I don't know that uh, I'm going to face a lot of heat from the other side. And I I don't know. I just don't know about any of this. We never really get that feedback anymore.
1: Mm.
0: When we launched in San Diego with a soft launch, we had 150 businesses and 1,000 consumers on the platform. Now, today, we have hundreds of businesses sign up every day and we don't even know where they're coming from. They're hearing us on podcasts like this. They're seeing us on the news. They're hearing about it from their friends that are also business owners. There's been such incredible strength in numbers and so many amazing testimonies of businesses succeeding through this platform that we really don't get the hesitancy anymore. So my encouragement to folks would be recognize that there is such an army that's been created here. There's a strength in numbers. There's a positive community that's been developed that is far more known for what we're for rather than what we're against, meaning... We are not satisfied with just boycotts. We actually want to create a new economic system that prioritizes the values that have built the most prosperous nation the world's ever seen. And we want to do that with family values at the forefront. If you're with us as a business, come and join that movement. And I think you'll be pleased to see it, how much your business transforms. In fact, even last week, the Washington Post wrote wrote an article about us, and it was surprisingly fair. Mm. I was shocked by that. It wasn't friendly, but I don't need it to be friendly. I just wanted a fair article, and they actually wrote one. Uh, They didn't quote me in the article or anything. They just wrote it about our business, but they did call one of our businesses on the platform and they actually included a whole paragraph where this business owner, a pet store in Alabama said that they have seen a thousand percent increase in web traffic after joining the Public Square platform. Those stories get out there, other businesses see them and then as any hesitation to join the platform kind of evaporates and they're ready to join this exciting movement. So my encouragement to folks is, Those hesitancies and fears about pushback from the other side were super valid when we had less than a thousand businesses because they were the first movers taking a chance on this thing. But now we've really built such an incredible movement that there's nobody. What are you going to do? Cancel all 55,000 of our businesses? Like that's not possible. So we're seeing that people are really creating this incredible force de resistance and it's pushing back against the tyranny in a profound way.
1: You've got over a million subscribers now.
0: Yep, yeah, well over 1.1 million as of late June.
1: How about the um conservative kids going to college who don't have a voice? What what do you tell those kids?
0: Well, I'd really assess why you're going to college first <laughs> off. I'm not the biggest fan of of uh higher education because I think it's I think it's literally anything but higher in terms of its helpfulness or uh I would say that, look, if you're trying to be an accountant, if you're trying to be a physician, if you're trying to be a scientist or if you're trying to be a you know financial advisor, college can be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, in many of those professions, you literally need a degree to do it. But uh, if you're not interested in any of those things and if you aren't sure what you want to do with your future, don't don't go waste your time at college. Figure out that first. Go get an amazing apprenticeship. I went and worked full-time basically right out of uh, uh, high school. I did college online in the evenings through Liberty University. I got my bachelor's degree, but I did it at nights. And I got to literally go work full-time and I got to build my career and I got to learn from really wise people. And I got more insight in a month of doing that than I ever would have in four years of uh, education, sitting in a college campus, et cetera. And people say, well, I want it for the experience. But it's like, is the experience really worth $200,000? And, you know forcing uh, indoctrination down your throat every day from professors that hate our country? Like, I don't know. So my encouragement, first off, is really assess why you're going to college, because I've had the time of my life in my 20s, and I didn't step foot on a on a four-year campus education type uh, environment. I tried that for like a year. I was like, this isn't working. So my encouragement, number one, is that. Number two is, if you are called to college, if that is what you want to do for your future profession and your career goals, I would say immediately find two or three people that are with you. You're not alone on your college campus. So find two or three people that agree with your values And then together, get plugged into some of the amazing resources that are present in our country, like Turning Point USA, like Young Americas for Freedom, like all these different organizations that prioritize equipping college students with the truth to be able to push back for the truth on their college campuses. You cannot do this alone. Don't think that you're just going to be able to jump into the slipstream of college, do what everyone else is doing, and still make it out of the four years with your values. That will not happen. You need community. You need people that are locked in arms with you. And you need to make sure that you're there for a clear purpose and you know your why for why you're doing college in the first place.
1: Do you think you'll ever run for uh, any political seat?
0: I hope not. Uh, no, <laughs> I, 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 I like this side better. You know, I, again, I think that business has such a powerful way of influencing politics and influencing culture. And if you want to see how decisions are made, you often look at who profits. And so I think when we can help the small businesses of our country profit, that's going to lead to more structural change than any congressman or woman ever could. I think that, you know, for me, I'm really focusing on building public square into this alternate ecosystem that completely overwhelms the economic system. And uh, if I can do that, that's already going to be a big enough of a mountain to conquer. And so uh, I'll focus on anything else later. But that's that's the priority for as long as I can see it in the future.
1: You mentioned earlier, you want to take on Amazon, you want to take on the targets. How do you do that?
0: Hiring phenomenal people. That's the first thing. You know, we really try to focus on hiring career professionals that have had incredible uh, industry experience in the areas that we would need in order to take on Target or Amazon. So for example, you know, we've hired very seasoned executives from Target and Yelp Mm. and Google and Amazon who have just said, guys, I can't do this anymore. Like the, the, the work environment that they've been burdened with has become so woke and progressive and nonsensical that they they're not even able to innovate anymore so when they're able to come to our company and feel like that they can really run here as racehorses that they were designed to be it's it's a whole different experience it's incredibly fulfilling and rewarding and so the number one thing is we need the right type of people to build that and then the second thing is we have to get really intentional about what our needs are to our consumers and the process that we build with has to be incredibly transparent so we're very honest with people about where we're at today and where we want to go we're launching e-commerce this fall so, one shopping cart, multiple vendors. Uh, you know that checkout experience that's seamless. We're continuing to develop the elements of this platform that allow us to compete with the Amazons and the Targets of the world. But that doesn't happen without our consumers building it with us. So if they don't have vision for where we're going, that's a failure on my part to not cast that vision. Because if we want to create that Target Amazon behemoth, we need not only incredible employees, incredible consumers, incredible businesses that want to build it with us. But we need them all to actually see the possibilities of what this can be if they do. And uh, I'm really grateful that clearly for a large chunk of the population, they see what we're trying to create and they want to create it with us.
1: And Amazon has hundreds of companies within Amazon. Is that kind of what your mindset and thinking is with that diaper company?
0: That's exactly right. There is uh, there is. An important distinction I want to make, which is that Amazon actually started competing with their own vendors, with their own companies. So they would basically gather all the data about the household cleaning products on the platform, and then they would use that data to create their own, undercut their competitors on the margins, and then push their brand forward. That's a really bad track record to be developing with your businesses because it instills a lot of fear. It instills this sort of like hostage situation of like, well, I gotta give Amazon 30% of my revenue and they're probably just gonna compete with me at some point. So like I'm giving them this data cause I have to, to succeed, but they're just gonna use it to kind of push me into a corner. It's just a total mess. So when we're creating our own D2C or B2B companies that are wholly owned subsidiaries underneath Public Square, we're not doing that with the goal to compete against our, our vendors. In fact, there were no other diaper brands. That's why we created it. The same thing is true for why we would not create a coffee company. You know, We have like 900 coffee companies on the app. The last thing that we want to do is create another one. What I'd rather do is I would rather take revenue share agreements with the top 10 producing on the app so that no matter who wins we're still making money. Like that's the wise business decision that still honors our vendors. And uh, that's going to be a key differentiation. The other big differentiation between us and an Amazon as we move forward into the future is that we will never depart from the local emphasis. You'll always have the ability to find something near you. So you tell us what you're looking for. Are you looking for coffee? Great. Here's some options online that you can purchase with a seamless checkout experience. Also, here's a few coffee shops locally that you can go and head to that are on our platform. That, that's that got to be an intentional part of our building for the future because that's the only way that you'll really feel community. Amazon has turned into just a few nameless, faceless brands built by countries that hate us. And uh, that's not a sustainable path forward for the future of the American commerce environment.
1: Mike, you took a huge uh, leap of faith. Uh, building an app like this is no joke. Um, some serious financial backing. What do you tell those who want to start their own business but don't know where to start?
0: The vast majority of startups that fail fail because they never start they have an incredible idea they kick the tires on it they maybe even get a little seed funding and then they just they see too many obstacles and they back out uh i would tell folks that if you have an idea that you're passionate about and you can't see yourself doing anything else you have to just commit to making it successful at all costs even when it doesn't look like there's any path forward i mean we literally had multiple days throughout this journey where there was no clear path. I didn't see a path forward. Very little money in our bank account, no idea how to progress. Uh there were no open doors. It just looked like all was going to fail. And uh it almost felt like it, you know, I'm a person of faith. So I I have this I have this interaction with God and we have no money in the bank account and I just feel like I'm almost being tested of like are you going to give up? Like I I brought you this far. Are you going are you going to give up? And cave because you don't see a path forward? Or are you going to trust that the pieces are going to come together as long as I keep persevering? And sure enough, Preston believed that there would just have to be some option. And uh, there was, and I just didn't see it. But I was so close to caving. And as I talked to a lot of people that have unfortunately had their startups fail, that was often the reason. They hit a breaking point where it's like they just didn't see a path forward. And instead of pushing on for another day, they just kind of threw in the towel and went back to what they were doing. The other thing I'd say is that it's all about commit. Uh, You got to send it. You got to fully commit to what you're doing. I see a lot of people that try to start startups, but they still have their other job and they've got the security and they've got the comfort. Public square was only going to work. If I just completely quit my other job, I had to just completely trust. I got alignment with my wife. We got, out to a dinner and just said, if we're going to do this, it's going to mean sacrifice for a while. And it's going to mean that we just have to go all in. And thankfully, my spouse was fully aligned with that. Yeah. Uh, and I understand that not everybody's in that position. So uh, that that's a tough thing, you, but you got to have your family on board. And we basically just said, I have no idea if this is going to be successful, but we just got to dive. And so we quit everything else. I ran after it. It probably wasn't a financially wise decision. We lived in debt for a little while, uh, but thankfully we persevered. And so my encouragement to folks is just start. Do one thing. Take a step forward every single day and you'll be amazed at how the puzzle pieces start to come together. When you face opposition, don't just easily back down. Recognize that even if it looks like every door is closed, there may be a chance you just haven't looked hard enough. And then three, you have to commit. It's, it's like cliff jumping. You know, if you kind of skittishly approach the edge and you're not really committed to just jumping, it's actually a pretty dangerous endeavor. If you're gonna jump off the cliff, you just need to send it. And uh, I think that that's that's been the most instrumental element in our success is we've just got a team that's willing to sacrifice and send it and trust that there's gonna be uh, there's that there's gonna be a soft landing when we jump. And uh, thankfully, time and time again, that's proven to be true.
1: Who were your first couple of hires?
0: Uh, well, we hired a fantastic COO, my business partner Sebastian Harris. We hired an amazing CFO, uh, good friend Brad Searle, who was out of a PwC auditing background. We hired an amazing chief product officer named Andy Weisbecker, who was actually with Target for 15 years, building all their apps and website experiences. Uh, we got a great. Early executive team, this wonderful married couple we're best friends with named John and Christina Werner that were like jacks of all trades that came in to be utility players and just crush it on a lot of different fronts. Uh, we had a great early team. It was rooted in relationship. Some people get hesitant about building businesses with friends, but given how much we were going to have to sacrifice together, having that immediately established trust was really important to us. So, uh, I would recommend it time and time again, if you have a lot of mountains to conquer, it's best to do it with people that you already have a relational kind of floor with. So you understand each other, you understand conflict, you know, you can be honest with each other. That was really present in our early team and I'm grateful for it.
1: And those guys are all in with you.
0: Oh, yeah. All in. All in. Yeah, we've got amazing men and women on this team that are crushing it every day, committed to this mission. They're as passionate, in fact, more passionate about the return on impact than they are any financial opportunities with this company. And that, to me, is really special. In fact, nearly all of our executive team, actually all of our executive team and nearly all our employees, more broadly, took a pay cut to come and join us. For some folks, that looked like a 70, 80% pay cut. Cause we're a startup. Like we just can't, we can't pay what Target or Amazon or some of these other entities could. And yet they chose to join us anyways. Our chief product officer has six kids, seventh on the way. And his wow. his his words to me were, I, I just I have to do this for the future of my children. Like I I, I gotta take this pay. I gotta run after this, even despite the sacrifices, because I I I don't know how we're gonna change the future otherwise. And uh, when you have those type of people that are running this operation, I have so much trust in our team.
1: You're right. You can't build stuff on your own. You got to hire, you got to hire right because that's how you build. So you're, uh, you got the right mindset there. Mike, Michael, I got everything in, man. Is there anything else you want to talk about or, or finish finish this episode with? Man,
0: this was good. I, I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, appreciate all the viewers and listeners. I am uh, excited for y'all to join the community at publicsq.com. If you're passionate about shopping your values and you don't want to spend money with companies that hate our country, then we're a great place to go. Uh, and we hope that you'll build this marketplace alternative with us. It's a pretty powerful ecosystem that's getting built day in, day out by a million-plus consumers that are passionate about this mission and well over 55,000 businesses that are small and medium-sized that want to make sure that we have a better future for the next generation. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak about this with you and lots of other cool topics. I mean, this was a great conversation. So uh, appreciate it, man, and looking forward to uh, staying connected down the road.
1: Great guy, bright guy, smart guy. Great episode. So much fun talking to him. Love the fact that he's hired folks from monster companies like Target and Walmart who are just kind of sick and tired of what's happening there. They go to Michael, trust him, believe in him. It's going to get built. And as we build, you will build. I mean, the guy had one of them had eight kids. Um, That can't be easy, uh, especially financially. But sick and tired of it. I mean, that—that that is amazing because hiring people nowadays, the number one priority is how much am I going to get paid? And typically, when that's the conversation and when that's the priority, you probably have the wrong employee. But check out Public Swear. That's Public SQ on Android, Apple, on all the app stores. It's a great functional app. And remember to support... The family-owned business, Sono. I use their wipes everywhere. We've got the all-in-one spray at home. Sonowipes.com. Look for the essential bundle. Promo code is Mike. 30% off and free shipping if you're in California. How about that? Something good in California. That's a positive, huh? You living in California, we've got something for you. Usually it doesn't work like that. I am Mike Gabriel. This is Mike the Pod thank you for making me a part of your day until next time folks no wasted days let's go